Welcome to Podtendo, a Nintendo podcast, where they analyze, reminisce, and replay the glory of old Nintendo games. Hey guys. Welcome to the Podtendo podcast, where we analyze, reminisce, and replay the glory of old video games. We can contact it by email at Podtendo Podcast or Twitter at Podtendo. Uh, we can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Maybe there's something else. I don't know if there is. Maybe we're there. We're a Let's Play Pop Culture retrospective show maybe there's like another adjective that i forgot i am your co-host mick and i'm joined every episode by my lovely co-host tyson there you go and this is a very special episode because we have completed four full years of recording podcasts this is officially the start of season five so congratulations celebrate Yes, congratulations. Uh, season five. Who would have figured when we started this it would get that far? But we, we've stuck through and here we are. There you go. I think we're on episode, I believe, 78 without having to go back and look at my notes. 78. So we're not even at 100 yet. We've been doing this for five years. We are taking our sweet little time. Yeah, we definitely are. We definitely are. But we've been mixing in uh, a lot of other things. So this is a. Uh, another one of the main series so it's good to be back yeah yeah i guess to preface that uh main series show 78 we have done a lot of other podcasts up until this point but like main episodes meat and potatoes there you go so welcome to season five of Podtendo. what has changed i don't know i was thinking about this earlier today how many places have we recorded this podcast in I have lived in at least three different or four different locations. So the Podtendo Studio South has moved at least four times since recording. I think we've been stationary for about two years now. Tyson, yourself, are you up to four as well? Uh, Wait, so actually, you know, I might be even higher. I might be like five or six because I moved twice when I was in Brooks. Oh, that's right. And then I moved three times now that I'm in Edmonton. So five. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then we also have a uh, lake, at least one recording, maybe two shows from there. Or maybe we have more shows from there. Anyways, lake, as well as we have that weird hotel room in downtown Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That was a that was a random episode, but. Yep. That's we what, nailed it. So it's what you do on uh, family vacations, is you sit in a room and you barricade the door with pillows and you record a podcast because that's your cool guys, you know, cool cool mm-hmm. guys. We do it for you guys. We did it so we could get to here. Season 5. That's it. Season 5. wonder what kind of cool places we'll be recording this year. We could be recording even in Delaware. Hey, we're in Delaware. We're in Delaware. All right. Nice. All right. Uh, uh, Wayne's World reference for the year done. Boom. Excellent. Season quota met. But specifically, if you're tuning in, this is a main numbered show. I think we're so it's not a Final Fantasy show. So you might be listening to Final Fantasy shows and this is coming in your timeline. In two weeks, we'll be coming back to the fun 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 times of final fantasy 7 however today you get to listen to evo the quest for eden or the search for eden i forget i didn't write that part down something like that something like that something it's a weird name like that so vital stats of this game is evo like i said off the top it was developed by almanac games and published by enix 
uh, sales, it sold less than 1 million copies, which is a shame. It was released July 15th, 1993. How long to beat has this game at 9.5 hours? Price at release was $49.99, and if you factored in inflation, that'd be $79.19 today. On eBay, you can get a copy of this game for $250, and those bids go up as high as $750, and this game is not available on the eShop. So, obviously, me and Tyson both spent $250 to play this game, and we did not illegally emulate it, so... Absolutely. This one hurt the bank, everybody, and we don't even have a Patreon, so this we do this strictly for the love. That's it. You know, it's all just that sweet, sweet gambling money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. poker winnings. There you go. Uh, so that's it. That's kind of the vital stats. So what we like to do is we like to set the landscape, um, and we like to look at kind of what was the pop culture landscape that's the word of 1993 specifically july 15th so we jump into our patented wayback machine and we like to get into the mindset by traveling back to that date and asking the age-old question do we want to live there we start out by asking tyson what is your favorite show is it the simpsons season four episode 22 crusty gets canceled so a dummy named gabo becomes the hottest show in town causing Krusty to lose his job Bart and Lisa manage to convince him to stage a comeback and invite his celebrity friends it's not bad or Exo Squad season 1 episode 1 Pirate Scourge Scourge I don't think I'm saying that word right the fall of the human empire part 1 a pirate attack on the homeworld freighter results in a loss of lives and finally promotes the homeworld congress to recognize the pirate threat. A task force consisting of the Exofleet is assembled to neutralize the pirate bases on the moons of Saturn. So Dyson, of those two shows, which would you rather watch? Well, while you were describing that, I had to give up uh, Exo Squad a quick little Google just to refresh my memory because I seem to rem- this one ring rang a bell to me. And as soon as I brought up the toys, I was immediately remembered because we had so many of these and they were always really cool. I had the big green one and like the little brown one. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. These toys were, were awesome. I always enjoyed like little mechs and stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm sure considering I it don't think it lasted longer than a single. No, it got two seasons. Wow, two seasons. Ah, uh, my goodness. Do I go strictly for the nostalgia or do I go for the actual quality show? Because this episode of Simpsons is fantastic. And that's, yeah, I you got to go Simpsons here. As much as Exo Squad seems really fun and the toys were good. I'm not, a, I, I, maybe if I was back as a kid, I would definitely watch Exo Squad. But as an adult, I got I to gotta go with the Simpsons here because Gabbo, Gabbo, Gabbo. Hmm, I did not see that coming. I had Exo Squad queued up for like 20 minutes. So there you go. Congratulations, the Simpsons. Spend some cash, get some cash back, plus a first-year annual fee rebate. Nice. Good job, Simpsons. Well, also, it's like, you know, I, I am seeing this for, like, the seasons season one for like $15 on Amazon. It's like, maybe I just need, might need to buy that. This Exo Squad season one. Just just to refresh my memories and see if I made a bad decision. See, I don't think we ever watched the show. I remember they were in the... It must have been produced by someone or the licensing fee was really weird. And they were in like... There was this one movie store when we were kids and we could go into the corner and it was like $20 to rent for a day or something. Or it was a you know, like a a one-day rental, and we just couldn't get home, watch it, and get it back in time. So I don't think we Mm. ever 
were able to actually watch this show. So we probably have never seen it. So there you go. You can watch a brand new old cartoon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and they even had a Mega Drive game. So I need cool. to do some ExoSquad investigating later on today. All right. So when Tyson becomes an ExoSquad fanboy and has a collection on sale on eBay in a couple days, you're welcome, me. The other top TV shows you could be watching if that didn't tickle your fancy are Cheers, Frasier, Seinfeld, Dr. Quinn, Roseanne, Grace Underfire, and Murphy Brown. And if you're like, Psh, adult shows, those are dumb. I like cartoons. I'm a cool kid. You can watch Cadillacs and Dinosaurs, Tales from the Crypt Keeper, Terrible Thunder Lizards, Sonic the Hedgehog, Mighty Max, Rocco's Modern Life, and SWAT Cats. Dang, we got some great cartoons here. Really good cartoons. Like, Terrible Thunder Lizards had an epic uh, intro, and I, this must have been around the same time that Eek the Cat was around, because I remember seeming to watch terrible thunder lizards and, and eek the cat like almost hand in hand um man mighty max like and sonic the hedgehog cartoon now depending on which sonic the hedgehog cartoon this is it's the it one might... that uh is is voiced by jaleel white so ah yes yeah. so, he's so not, not it's not the... the adventures of sonic the hedgehog it's the one where he eats chili dogs and says that is n- not okay <laughs> oh no no it's sonic says that's no good yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No good. Right. Figured it out. All right. I will top movies because you're like, ah, those cartoons are all right. What if there's some sweet things in theaters? Released this week, you could see Free Willy and Hocus Pocus because, of course, that's what was released in July of 1993. Still in theaters could be Rookie of the Year, Sleepless in Seattle, and Last Action Hero. And if you waited a few weeks, you could see Coneheads, So I Married an Axe Murderer, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, and Tom and Jerry the Movie. Yeah, we've been here before. This is this is all sorts of because yeah. I remember specifically being like, why would Hocus Pocus be released in the middle of the summer? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. Okay, so yes, we definitely been here before. Uh, top video games released: Super Mario All Stars. So, yep. listeners, if you know what episode it was, please tell us because we don't know. I could I could not guess. Sometimes I go back and listen to them, and you know what? Lots of times podcasts are just background noise to me, but I will keep a note if I hear these songs before, I mean, or any of these uh, movies before. I'll get back to us in the future. But like I almost hinted and gave away top three songs according to the Billboard charts of July 15th, 1993. The number three song is Freak Me by Silk. Does not ring any bells. That's random that I don't have any memory of that song. All right, about the number two song, That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. Yeah, yeah, you've heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're definitely back where we were because feel like there was a big janet jackson uh time and then we hit mariah carey that's it and the number one song you've definitely heard before is weak by swv There you go. So we've definitely been there before. When? I don't remember. Why? I don't know. Yeah. 
but we were here. We were here at some point. Yeah, that's that's what we can say. You know what? And you know what? That's a pretty good way of summing up this podcast is we were here. Yeah, we're a four or five-year-old podcast, and we were here. We were here. We, we were didn't here. do anything too memorable, but been, we were here. We've been here. Yeah, all right. There you go. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. good. Uh, so now, back, now that we know what the cultural landscape uh, looks like when this game came out, maybe you're old enough and you went to see Hocus Pocus or Free Willy in theaters, you could say, oh, that's when this game came out. Neat. Let's look at the specific development details of this fun, fun title. This game was produced by Enix, the company that teamed up with Squaresoft to become Square Enix. Other notable titles are Dragon Warrior, ActRaiser, Robotrek, Star Ocean, and Grandia. The title was largely based on the company's earlier successful RPG, Evo, The Theory of Evolution, released on the NEC PC-9801 in Japan in 1990. That was a lot of letters and numbers. Though the staff opted for a more fantastic rather than a scientific representation of the evolutionary theory, which I thought this game was completely scientific, so proved me wrong. And after released, Enix hosted a promotional contest where players could send pictures of their favorite customized characters for a chance to win free Enix games. There you go. Pretty exciting. And I wish uh, companies would do that nowadays, where if you made a really interesting creative character or whatever, they would send you free stuff, but they know they got our money. They don't need to give us free stuff anymore. Yeah, I mean, they, they could send they have, some companies might do like promo codes, right? Like if they reach out to you on Twitter, or they do kind of campaigns that way. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And I know, I guess, I guess instead of uh, us regular people being able to earn free games by doing something fun in the game, I guess it's like start a YouTube channel, then we'll send you stuff. That's how it works so. nowadays. Uh, so let's look at specifically the controls of this game. The controls are pretty basic. You move around the world map, and you enter predetermined areas. In each little area, your little guy can bite and eat creatures slash pieces of meat for health and experience points. You can move around in a 2D underwater, and when you reach the land, you become it becomes a standard platformer. When you eat the meat, you gain experience points which can help you evolve different parts of your body. You can save your completed creatures for later use in the game. And if you're using this as potentially a walkthrough or you're you're looking to get into this game, make note of that because that can be very, very, very helpful. This game does, does not have or does have a manual save option. Does not automatically save, so don't forget to save. You might need to look into it, watch a tutorial video. It's definitely worth it to have fun and actually enjoy this game. Yeah, you might want to... Yeah, and I feel like the more, like, especially because, like, we have dipped, dove back into this game, we had to do a bit of research, and to sometimes beat these old games, you got to kind of figure out some of the mechanics that you were not not privy to as a kid, because um, I remember playing this game, and I always felt it was so hard, but then you learn a couple tricks, and it's it's very manageable once you once you learn a trick or two. Yeah, it's more of a little bit of strategic, like a real-time strategy game more than just a button masher or your standard platformer. And those things I find are hard to get around, especially if you're a little bit less developed and more of a child. Uh, that's it. Uh, now, do we ever explain how this game works? Or do we ever do that? Because like, lots of good retrospectives will take time to kind of explain the controls and just how the game works. Do we ever do that in this game? Or do we expect people to know that? Is that like um, well, our know, level notes section? Kind of. Right. Well, I don't mean, and, and the controls we usually like if there's something specific that stands out of us. But it's like there's an 
experience point system where you can like level up and, and customize your character and different body parts and depending on what you're going to dump into. I guess. It's, a, it's a standard RPG. Yeah, right. Like, I guess I guess we talk a yeah. little bit before between story and level notes. We kind of go through that. Sort of, kind of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or when we come across something in the level notes we're like, oh yeah, in this part, make sure you're doing this at that point or you have yeah. this kind of bot, this kind of build. So. Alright. Nice. Okay, so on to our first memory section. We used to rent this game from a gas station when we were kids. Uh, around the same time as we rented Final Fantasy 2 or 4 and Act Razor. Uh, I don't know if we ever got past the fish level as kids. Maybe once we became amphibians, but I honestly can't say that with any confidence. And then during the early emulator phase, this was one of the games I picked up, I tried to play. Uh, I don't know if I ever got past the Queen Bee, though. Yeah, I seem to remember being stuck in the Queen Bee because she just chews your health. And unless you know the, like, remove a horn, get full health, and then add a horn yeah. to... Like, and that's like, that is the key trick in this game is like, you don't really want to like level up your horn or anything. It doesn't generally do anything for you. So if you just add it and remove it, it doesn't cost a whole lot of experience points. It's basically a way of like refilling your health mid battle. Yeah. So if you are kind of getting worked over, that's yeah, just add a horn or remove a horn. Yeah. So I, I guess, I guess we just have to talk about how this game works. We kind of, <laughs> I don't know if we ever do that. Cause I think this is probably one of the weirder games you could ever play in your whole life. So you, the, let's actually, let's read through the story and then we'll take the time. So the story of this game. So the player takes the role of one of many billion of life forms created by Gaia, the personification of planet earth, the nurturing and benevolent daughter of soul, the sun. Among the creatures known as life, there is a competition to evolve, and the best life form will eventually be granted the privilege of entering the Garden of Eden, of Eden and becoming the husband and partner of Gaia. So, essentially, all the planets are people. They have are have thoughts, faces, and their dad one day says, Hey guys, we're all going to start evolving and changing. Better start making life forms. You're tasked as a weird little fish live in the ocean, on Gaia, and Gaia says, hey, if you can evolve and stop all the bad things that are happening on me, one day you be you can become my lover. That's the game. Uh, you're a little fish, and like we talked about, you get experience points, and you can use those experience points to level up your body, to evolve, to evo, essentially, your body. You can become bigger, smaller, scales, bigger scales, change your horn, change your dorsal fin eventually you can go on the land and become one-legged two-legged i guess maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more per chapter but kind of that is the game if you're more familiar with spore it's a very older rpg feels like a 93 version of spore i don't know if that helps with that explanation at all yeah yet it's interesting because there's not a lot of games based around evolution as a game mechanic and that's a lot of what this game I mean, kind of does. Like, yeah, you, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very weird game, and like I can see why it didn't sell a lot. But at the same time, like this game both kind of really stands out in both mine and your minds. And we're like, when we did this podcast, we knew that this game was going to be one of the games that we just had to talk about. Yeah, because it, it's just such a unique, weird little experience. But it's it's really rewarding, and it's like you kind of make your own character and it just it was it was like a customized choose your own adventure before like those rpgs were even a thing yeah like most most rpgs are fairly linear around this time where you're just like yeah you can maybe like get new equipment or whatever but it never changes your sprite yeah you don't look different in it right maybe yeah exactly like a digimon was trying to go for this approach this is essentially just 
the prototype of Digimon. I was thinking, I was going to say Pokemon, but Pokemon is very successful. It kind of far surpasses what this could be. But this is almost more of a Digimon version where you're kind of a little creature. You're in kind of a funny world where everyone has a funny face and talks to you. And you can periodically change into a bigger guy, right? And have more powers. But you could also be, resort back to the little guy if you get too hurt, almost. Um, but yeah, and kind of what it was hard to talk about off the top because we almost had to explain what it was before we could talk about our experience as kids. So as kids, we'd rent this from the gas station. And this is a game where you need to dump, I probably dumped 10 hours as an adult, following a guide, watching a couple walkthroughs, having all that in my hand. So this is almost one of those games you needed as a kid and it had to be like your birthday present and that's all you had for months and you could just dive and delve and put time and energy into it to try different combinations to figure out the horn trick. So as Tyson said, uh, if you change your horn, you get full health. So you can be almost dead, change your horn full health, uh, get hurt all the way back down to that one health, change your, uh, get rid of that horn, and you'd get back to full health. Um, so just all those little things were, I think we're a little bit complex for kids, right? And Tyson says, I was a stupid, dumb kid. I was also a stupid, dumb kid at some point. And it was just kind of probably a little bit too much for us, right? Like, do you have any concrete memories of getting this as a kid and playing through this and anything that really stands out um nothing that, like i don't know i just remember like it vividly playing as the little like fish and beating the trying to beat the shark and you're like oh if i upgrade my jaws i do a ton more damage and it's like it was it was a very unique little game and it, it was one of those things where i don't know like it always kind of just like stuck with me to a point where I just kind of periodically just come back and play this game because it has just a cute aesthetic. It's a very neat little world. It's not like it's a platformer, but like it's almost like a scrolling adventure game because you can kind of backtrack, yeah. you can kind of do other things. And like later on in the game, you can kind of even unlock certain basically hidden, hidden like different branches of animals that you can kind of go down. Like there's like dinosaurs and reptiles and all sorts of like and mammals and birds and it's just this weird arc and there's just so yeah. many yeah it just it seems like it's such a like a fantast uh very uh so as you're fant- as you're just kind of yeah. talking right i was just thinking and you're like you're right there are weird elements to it it has an overworld very similar to mario mario uh mario world right so kind of mm-hmm. one of the big games of the time but it also has the rpg elements of say a final fantasy at the time but then it has this weird hodgepodge where you're a little creature and you you can like pull parts of other creatures onto you so you get like a shark fin you get a a jellyfish tail or whatever it's called right like eventually you're not your own thing you can get like rabbit ears at some point and you can have a turtle body so you can kind of be a hodgepodge and this is almost what this game is right like the gameplay is almost a metaphor for what what how they built this yeah. game they just like pulled from all these different resources and created this one object right yeah and even you can kind of tell with like some of the sprites where it will look like almost the exact same sprite but clearly it's just like got color swapped with like the fin of something just kind of almost like pasted onto you but it's very interesting the way they do it because you never your character is always changing but they never really like you never really have like a set like this is what my character looks like yeah it's it's always changing yeah. and that's one weird thing about like even rpgs where it's like if you get like a like a final fantasy 7 like we're playing it's like if you get a new sword or you get new material it's like every your characters will always look the same yeah. it's not very often that you kind of get like these palette swaps and then and to, to have just such a level of customization um it's like man this game had a lot of effort put into it you can you can just tell that the the people at, at anex were trying different ideas and and just like seeing what would work and weren't afraid to kind of steer 
Like this, a game like to like Evo would probably come out today. Like it just wouldn't yeah. because it's like uh, I feel like it would just like it would be an indie game. It would be a big developer. It'd yeah. be an indie guy. Somebody has a, an interesting idea and throws it out there, and everyone's like, "Oh, look how artsy this is." But uh, yeah, you're right. No major studio would be pushing this out, right? Because they wouldn't have the autonomy yeah. to do it. And based exactly. on the and list, though, I feel like all those games are a little off the beaten path, right? Dragon Warrior. It's kind of a goofy series. That first game, I've only ever played the first one all the way through, but the ending is you have to carry the princess all the way back to the throne. Most games would just end. This one, you actually have to carry through the world. At one point, you can join the bad guy, and then it, the game's over, right? So I feel like Enix kind of had a little bit of a different take on video games, and they were kind of the, the, the cowboys in the Wild West, right? They kind of played by their own rules almost to a sense. Yeah, and it's nice that they just kind of threw the the rule book out the window, and they were like, "Let's just see what, let's just try to make this work, and let's just if it's a good idea, let's just fit it in." Yeah, and it seems like, and that's what kind of inspired. Like, I guess that's why this game has just always stood out so much to me. Is it's just like it's the such a unique experience, and there's not a lot of games that have this kind of, especially at the time, there was just nothing like it, and it was just weird that this little gas station just down the road always had it. And it was always in stock, and everyone, no one ever like was renting it. Besides us, it felt like because sometimes you'd like not rent it for a few weeks and come back, and your your save's still there. You're like, well, this is nice. Yeah, I still can't beat that bloody bee, so I'm gonna start again. But yeah, and I think that it, it's just such a crazy little adventure because it's kind of like you're moving through his, history. So it's not only like a little bit educational, but it's got like a bit some fantasy elements as well as like really fun gameplay and rewarding, and it's like. It's just such a crazy, crazy little uh, game that I'm so happy that we are finally getting a chance to talk about. Nice. Look at that. Hey, we got, we did some retrospecting. We actually talked about some first memories, dove into stuff. Shh. Look at us. Look at us now being mature five-year-olds. It's like we've done this a time or two. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Okay. So on to the level note section. So this is going to be kind of our let's play. Oh, maybe that's the other word I was thinking of. Let's play. Maybe I didn't say that off the top. Uh, let's play part of the show. So hopefully you're playing along. Uh, we can kind of talk about our experience. And if you've played through the game recently or have an experience in the past, you would be like, oh yeah, I remember that. That's kind of the point of this. So we're on to chapter one, the world before land. You start off as a derpy little fish guy. You can attack any other creatures, meat to grow. As you explore the underwater world, you will travel through a series of caves, seabeds, and other nautical-themed areas. The boss of this final area is the Kureslakak leader. He's a big, bad, great white shark. And afterwards, the sea gives off oxygen, and you can travel to the land where you can become an amphibian and head through a time door. Yeah, very cool. And, um... Yeah, it's neat that it's like his kind of each area. There's like all oh, these are like the big bads right now, and it's like the sharks are kind of like the the guys that run the sea, that run the seas when everybody's in the seas, and you just kind of you're like this little fish, and you just kind of have to like try to attack them. And you start off and you're so wimpy, where like yeah. even jellyfish are kind of making fun of you, and then eventually you gotta take down the the big bad great wake that is literally the king of sharks right now i think because that's actually his name it's like he's the king of sharks whatever he calls him yeah and they're they're actually stopping the seaweed from giving off oxygen so that the the atmosphere can't be oxygen oxygenized so it's kind of funny because it is like Jason said it's a very pseudo history very 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 pseudo where that essentially seaweed gave uh, sea plants gave off oxygen which gave our atmosphere of our planet oxygen which helped life live outside of the seas right 
Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, yep. sharks didn't say, "Hey Siri, don't you do that, or we'll kill you." You know, like, so yeah. they they, yeah. they had a they had a little bit of humor to some real life history. Oh, totally, and even some of just like the little dialogue about the characters are saying to one another. It's kind of funny because like, like the first thing you do as that like little goofy fish you get you get made fun of by a, a jellyfish yeah. and kind of like i'm gonna bite this guy yeah and then you realize like oh if i eat these jellyfish i actually i gain i gain health and i gain experience and it's like kind of leads you into it so, yeah and it so does it's, a good it's it's pretty easy uh like i said even as kids even as dumb kids you should be able to get through this first area uh kind of teaches the evolutionary process slowly uh some levels are timed right you have to go back and forth in a level to have to let a volcano explode to open up a new path in the world so it'll be kind of levels will interact with the overall world map and it's a good way of showing that and then just as you have a guy all buffed out all the best stats uh there's a stats page as well that you can kind of look at to just kind of see how um if your jaw makes you better or worse and as soon as you jump out onto the land you lose all your evolution points you turn back to this derpy little evolution uh, amphibian and you move on to chapter two which is kind of a kick in the teeth and you're like this game's very frustrating and very grindy hmm i see all right so now we're on to chapter two early creatures of land now that we are back at the bottom of the food chain we can head off to the left of the world map and fight the boss ichlyostega and learn that insects are eating all the plant life oh no now we can head to the right fight a king bee and make our way to the real leader the boss the queen bee she is very tough you have to jump and bite her and run to avoid her missile stingers afterwards we head on through the time door to and leave pan or and leave to the pangea looking continent so there you go any points from chapter two do you have a rebuttal because i kind of just took over the conversation and ran with it about losing your evolutionary points after each chapter um no but this is something you're gonna have to get used to because every time you kind of switch from different like you're a fish now you're an amphibian and you're going to go through many different stages and you kind of have to get used to like okay well i am i am going to have to grind my way up and if i want to get something i do have to do a bit of grinding so like that is one thing that they i think a little bit artificially uh a little artificially uh extends the game a bit but you know you kind of have to get people to i i don't know how they would have solved it other than like you just carry over your experience points yeah. and kind of like pick and choose but yeah uh, but you know, you know what, what if is. they would have done that they would have just artificially increased the evolution points needed in the future chapters right so i don't think it would have done anything so knocking you back down to the bottom they would have just literally uh been like okay on average you'd have three thousand we'll just add three thousand onto everything yeah. Right. Yep. So it's yep. not like or the best thing would have had three thousand added. So it wasn't like you were getting getting ahead. Uh, for myself, early strategy was I ground, I ground, I ground. I was watching a movie or doing something else while I had this uh, game playing, and I think I had enough Evo points that I didn't have to grind on the second screen. Oh my goodness! Like I don't think I even met the egg the, st- the Istega or whatever, and learned that the insects were bad before i went to the cave right where the king bee is so i was almost fully leveled up had a bunch buck ton of evo points and that's kind of how i played this game and i did the exact same thing with the start of chapter three so that was kind of my strategy so rather than just letting myself or uh level up organically or having like my skill grow with the skill curve of the game i front loaded all my xp points and cheated hooray hooray nice yeah i don't know it's one of those things where especially if you um yeah, I don't know. I, I I personally like to pump my characters up sooner rather than later. I know you 
there's there's good spots to always grind in each each area yeah. but uh, to me it's like what's what's the effort of kind of <laughs> it's, specifically going to one area as opposed to just like grinding something well up and it's how how do you play you know. rpgs right like even if i play pokemon sometimes i will grind my team so that they're extremely overpowered early on so that the game is i don't have to do it later when when it's a little bit more difficult right like i'll sit in my uh viridian forest and get my guy to level 20 or something before i go fight brock right that's just I'm more inclined to do that early on, you know, put something calming on a movie I've seen, some TV shows I can binge watch and just do that grinding. But I also wake up way before I should and work out every day, you know? So I'm a wake up and do my chores early kind of guy. That's fair. It's mm. a good way of doing things. Nice. So- I, uh, I, I do that a little bit, but not not to your extent. I, I only do it so I have a little bit of a buffer, and then I just move on. Nice. So I'm not... He's not as neurotic as I am. There you go. So we're on to Chapter 3, The Age of Dinosaurs. Dinosaurs in this game. This is awesome. Once again, we're on the bottom of the food chain. We can evolve into a four-legged or two-legged lizard. We start out fighting some mid-level creatures before heading south and meeting some really tough dinos. We have to save a baby triceratops from a big-ass frog. Once he is saved, we can head north and where we... Uh, fought the prime frog and become a flying dinosaur at Mount Brave. It's pretty exciting. And if you travel up from here, you'll eventually end up in an asteroid field and you can find an alien zapping a bird with a weird Evo gun. I wonder if that'll come into play later in this adventure. Hmm. Yeah, it is very interesting that they insert... Like This game is so weird. They insert aliens. It's such a strange, strange little thing. And and uh, yeah, it's neat to kind of unlock the flying dino because you'll you will unlock some very strange flying creatures if you keep playing that way. And so one of the things you can do is you sometimes I think you can save your creatures. You have five slots, and then there's these mm-hmm. green or red crystals throughout the world. Uh, I think there's or there's a, maybe a yellow one. Some of them you'll eat and you get a bunch of experience points. Some of them you turn into a very specific creature and some of them will actually allow you to transfer back for a very short period of time to an older creature. So if you would have taken your super beefed out fish monster and saved him, later if you go into the water when you transform into a fish and you're just like a derpy guy, you could be your super high level fish, right? It might help you out in the boss fight. And with this one, you could take the bird, uh, buff it up a little bit, save it, and then use it later on in the game. So, there you go. Yeah, it's really cool that they um, they almost have like hidden unlockable different bodies that you can you can get. Yeah. You'll be like, oh, I'm just a fish or I'm just a amphibian or just a reptile. And if you kind of don't go out of the way, you, you, won't, you won't unlock the bird. You want to unlock some other things coming up very soon. Yeah. So, you can do that, or you can head across the ocean and end up fighting a boss of this area, the Tyrannosaurus. You can join him, which results in you dying from a bunch of meteors and eventually becoming a fossil. Or you can fight him and escape through the time door before the meteors crash into the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. And it's uh, it's pretty neat that it gives you the option to kind of like have a bad de- bad ending by like joining the bad guys. Yes. So. Yeah, and I believe, so the top part of the world, almost more of a North America, I guess, would be on the map. Uh, and then you kind of head South South America over to Africa, and then that's where the uh, Tyrannosaurus is living. I did all my grinding in North America, so I was on maybe the fourth screen at this point and was done all my grinding. Oh, and then at one point, you can have a bigger jaw, and you can attack Stegosauruses and Brontosauruses in your way through South America. And that's where I got, I got like, tons of experience points, way more than I needed. And that's how I did my grinding in Chapter 3. Yeah, the Brontosauruses, they will do a ton of damage. Like, I think it's a stomp or, like, a neck flick or whatever. It does, like, 50 yeah. damage. But if you have enough uh, DPS, you can take them down real quick. 
No problemo whatsoever. So now that we're in Chapter 4, the Ice Age, now the map looks much like modern Earth. And we can actually stay in our dino bodies for the rest of the game. So that means no more grinding. You can, however, if you'd like, uh, evolve into a mammal, which means which ultimately makes us a human. But I stayed a lizard, so I went into grind. Because I was kind of over grinding at this point. And more focused on just beating the game for the first time in my life. And I have a game I've been playing for the last, I don't know, it's at 20... 20 years? Is that right? 27 years? Gosh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Alright, so I did it. I beat this game. Spoilers. Nice. But I stayed as a dinosaur. I believe, Tyson, you did the same and you did not become man. Yeah, uh, no. Um, being a mammal in this game is almost a hindrance because you just don't... You, you basically have, like, slightly better speed but not enough health and yeah. not enough damage. So you might as well stay the lizard and sacrifice a little bit of speed for the way more health and the more damage. Especially because, like, some of the later bosses will just shred damage off your Well, health. but again, so. we're in Chapter 4, so, I mean, there's only chap- five chapters, so, you know, we're almost at the end of the game. But it is very customizable, where, in theory, I could pick up this game, play it through a different style uh, altogether, and try and challenge myself, right? Uh, and have a whole new experience. Play around with the different customizations, customization of what the mammal can get me, and see if there's some cool stuff there, right? So this game has tons of replayability, one of those games kind of wish maybe you had as a kid, right? You own oh, it, just 100%. didn't rent, so. Yeah, yeah. I think this would be a fun game to have in the collection. And uh, to be honest, for the 250 bucks loose card, it's, dang, it's cool. This, this is one of those lucky ones. Sometimes those games that don't sell very good, like less than a million units, yeah. there's a reason why this game is worth it. So, and I, I think it'll probably only ever keep going up in price because they don't release it digitally. Yeah, I feel like it's almost one of those ones where like a repo cart would be kind of the way to go, right? Just you have it in your collection. You can pick it up, play it at some point, but you're not paying that prime prime ice or a price tag right so and this is probably a good point to bring up i was gonna say you don't you don't want to play a game that uh is worth that much it's kind of like yeah put that on a shelf somewhere nice plastic case or a glass case uh and this is a good point to bring up too that there's been two voices voice a and voice b that have been talking to us throughout this adventure uh so just maybe keep those in the back of our minds that there's these two voices and they keep saying things like oh the insects were involving too quickly i think they had a conversation about the insects and they were eating all the grass and they said that's fine we'll leave it and they you're kind of a pester and they know that, that you're around and they don't really like you these stupid voices a and b some people have referred to them as god and jesus Really? Interesting. Yeah, it's part of the maybe the fan theories we get. So there you go. Maybe I wrecked something. Stupid Mick. Should have thought about that. Oh well. Well let's move on. For stay starting or from your starting point in India, you make your way across Russia and in England. You find that there is a blocked doorway. So essentially this is the map, so that's why I'm explaining it that way. You don't actually go to those locations. It's more of just more kind of geography. Uh, from here you can head down into Africa and then you can go to the North Pole to fight some woolly mammoths. There's a nice cute pink woolly mammoth because she's a girl after this fight you have to go back to africa to battle against a race of advanced bird people hmm, i wonder if those bird people got the uh bigger brains in this advanced evolution you can decide to join them which results in you leaving on a ship and coming back years later to visit the human race hmm. uh they then oh they then create those big uh bird creatures in the sand that you see i think in like south america or something like that and you're like oh that's where that comes from ha 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 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this game uh but then you can also just kill them it crashes and now you can get past the ice store and fight the yeti and yeti mother and escape the ice age Mm -hmm. yeah those uh those aliens were definitely up to no good by creating very intelligent bird people yeah 
Yeah. Yeah, but kind of neat. And at this point, it is really just kind of going right off the railings. Uh, we were talking that there's kind of pseudoscience, pseudo-history in this game. And now at this point, there's spaceships, there's a flying castle, there's bird people, there's like a bird wizard that you have to fight. He's the main boss. Yep. He's their yep. leader. He wears a, he, he's wearing clothes. Yeah, like the, the mammoths are in pink. The Yeti mom has boobs. It's yeah, <laughs> it's just kind it's of a weird game. gone off the railings a little bit. But... You're having fun. I think it it's tough. These fights are almost easier as mammals because you're faster and the slow the slow but uh advanced defense does help you out there, so it's kind of a catch twenty-two. But we're on to chapter five. Finally, early mans. We head across Europe and North America. In South America, you will find a teleporter and notice some mist covering the continent of Africa. There is a mountain here, and if you fly straight up from here, you are met by voice A and B. They ask if you want to travel with them. If you say yes, you learn that they are advanced lizard people from Mars, and they came here to Earth to help creatures evolve. This game gets crazy, people. There you go. Uh, If you decide not to do that, you're like, I'm out of here. I want to get rid of that mist in Africa. You have to go into the sea and fight the Rogon King in the ocean to free the whales so that they can use their whale breath to blow away all the mist. You can also join the Rogons if you want and rule the sea until some humans eventually capture your king. And it's hilarious. Yeah, there's some pretty funny little cutscenes. Yeah, catch them in a little fishing net. It's like... Yeah, it's the classic. Uh, from if we, once the mist is out of Africa, though, you can go back. To, there's a teleporter. Go to Africa. You can fight another queen bee before you get to the entrance to Eden. In this cave, there's a bunch of lizard men, just like the ones from Mars. And finally, the ultimate boss, Bullbox. You will have to def- battle against eight different creatures: a jellyfish, a cockroach, a fish, a dinosaur, a bird knight, and two others, as well as a big snail monster to fight Bullbox. Bullbox calls himself a human being because he believes that the human being is meant to be with Eden, in or Gaia in the Garden of Eden. Uh, but he's just like a weird blob thing. He's strange. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But this game is weird. Like, we didn't also mention that there's sharks with freaking lasers on their head. Oh, yeah. I thought it was a. I thought there were sharks that had little sharks with lasers that rode them. Yeah, it looks like it. Literally looks like it's a shark, but like it's got a, like a, a a guy with just like a little gun, just yeah. chilling and riding with like lasers. Like, yeah, it's weird. It's yeah, game uh, is strange. At one point, you have to fight. I think like a monkey or something to get into one of the caves, and maybe he's a human. I don't know something. It's that's the end of the game though. He was the final boss, Bullbox. Hopefully, you defeated mm-hmm. him. Not that bad, right? not super hard no there are some uh like the jellyfish is pretty easy the cockroach is bad the fish i think can be annoying because of his pattern the dinosaur i had a hard time with him because he got trapped on the other side of bullbox and bullbox just kind of like his pattern changes so he's always there and he can uh like he moves maybe uh halfway across the screen and then three quarters across the screen then all the way across the screen and at one point i was just being very cheaply outmatched but i was finally able to overcome him had tons of experience points and finally beat this game i've been working on for 27 years hooray yeah it feels good to be finally done it and actually see how strange this game gets because it starts off like fairly like oh you know yeah fish fish evolving and going into amphibians yeah and then there's aliens and bird people and sharks with freaking lasers and it's like 
This game's strange. It, I one, like it. One point you go to the kingdom of the whale people, and you're in like the great hall of the whale king. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird. It's a very interesting little, uh, unique little experience. And yeah. honestly, if you haven't played this game, like you need to pick it up and just play play a little bit. And I, I guarantee you'll be you'll be addicted and want to just like I need to see where this freaking madness goes because it's fun. It's, and it's like it's not. I think once you kind of have a good idea of like how the experience works and how like if you are in trouble how to just quickly refill your health by adding or removing horns or whatever it's like this game come becomes a lot more manageable yeah. and it's, it's it's a fun it's a really fun game well and if you like no other of those tricks too right like saving your old forms when you fight uh the rogons in the ocean if you're your advanced fish it's a little yeah. bit easier um there are like fun little easter eggs you can unlock like at one point you can become a mermaid uh, if you mm-hmm. like follow a special evolutionary pattern there's like a special thing you can get and she's super fast has tons of health hits really hard so Lots of fun. You can dive into this game and probably still have fun with it today. And then finally, the ending of this game is you are welcomed into Eden and a bird comes along to announce the dawn of a new age. We also see that two voices, voice A and voice B, who are two Martians on Mars, talking about how they shouldn't have interfered in this planet's evolution. And they will only come back if they are really, really needed. Ominous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Leaving it open for that sequel that we never got. Oh, man. That's, well, yet. Yeah. You know, still hope. Yeah, true. Hey, give it time. Everything's getting rebooted. And the other thing, cool thing is that I mentioned if you go down the uh, bird path is you can get a dragon. You can freaking be a dragon in this game. Yeah. It looks That's super overpowered, fun. very strong. Definitely one of those things where I'd get and save and then maybe carry mm-hmm. on, you know. Definitely Absolutely. one of those forms might be worth saving. Hmm, yeah. Hint, hint. Nudge, nudge. There you go. So current thoughts on this game. What a weird-ass game. The grinding can be super tedious at the beginning. Uh, and if you don't grind, I think the game is just too hard. Uh, there's not really that natural skill to difficulty of the game. Uh, and after you do grind, the game becomes too easy. So there's not really a good balance. Uh, your creature is super cute. And you have a lot of fun evolving him. Uh, even this one girl I was watching uh, Let's Play for, just as kind of a little walkthrough to kind of understand how things worked. Uh, especially if I didn't have time to beat this game. My evolutions always looked a little different from her, so I don't know if I was using things that were more optimal or she was. Uh, so you, uh, It's still kind of open to interpretation what's the absolute best, so I kind of like that there's not a best strategy. I love the games like that. Uh, this game was super fun, deep lore, and uh, too bad that it has kind of a hidden behind this archaic gameplay that might be hard to get into at first, and you could tell the designers had a lot of fun with the ideas, and honestly, I had fun playing it. There is a lot of customization and story to uncover. I was very proud of myself for completing this game that took me over 27 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this game is really, really, really random. And I guess, like, it's a lot of fun, and it's such a unique experience, and there's, it's such a cool little world they built, and it's just so fantas- like, fantastic. It's just interesting. Um but, you know, it is really confusing sometimes where you need to go. And the, it can scale up in difficulty yeah. if you aren't grinding and you don't know the cheap trick of remove a horn, add a horn. You're like, that didn't do anything to, like, I'm not wrecking my, my stats or anything. Because that's the other thing we didn't really talk too much about. Is it, like, let's say you add, like, uh, a horn or you add, like, a, a dorsal like a fin. Jaw. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It will, it will affect um, how, like, your stats in other areas of facts. So mm-hmm. sometimes you're like, oh, adding a horn will slow me down because I have more weight or whatever. And it's, it's, you kind of got to pick and choose. And 
that's why it's like sometimes like even if you are playing and you're watching a, a walkthrough you're like man i i might have had a just i i put level two of this on and i have a completely different looking sprite than the other person who has like level three of like a jaw or something so. if, as, as someone who does not like platformers in yourself i imagine you probably had a really hard time with just the weight of your character you always felt like you were so heavy and everything was just so frag like segmented uh and it, what i mean by that is when you went to jump you couldn't you, your your jump arc was automatically determined as soon as you jumped you had very little control and i feel like just the modernizations that we've had in platformers uh and things like the stat control if somebody went back and remade this game and kind of rebuffed it up uh i think this game could stand out and be a lot of fun to play and you could get rid of those kind of those terrible things fairly quickly right uh, yeah, definitely. And I, I think, yeah, you're right. Like the, the controls, like, especially if you play like a Mario, you can, it's a good speed. Mario has a really good speed and you're just like, usually like, you're just like yeah. so much slower, especially when you're like, kind of like uh, a reptile or an amphibian or whatever. Well, you just don't, yeah. you're just kind of like almost thundering along and you, you, you kind of are, you're almost fighting the delay of the game, but. And if they've never seen a reptile, like go watch a lizard or a salamander. They, those guys scuttle all over the place. They're extremely fast. So. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. I think we've all seen uh, was it Planet Earth with that those little like lizards yeah. trying to run away from those snakes. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah. Uh, so then, what would we change? Uh, I would just say maybe your uh, experience points kind of cherry over or carry over per chapter. I think I would actually disregard that now uh, because as we were talking about a little bit earlier, I think they would just increase the cap. So I think that's just kind of a moot point. Um, other than that, it is a very cute early RPG. So, final, any would would you change anything that we haven't discussed yet? Um, I guess I mean like maybe have like someone you can talk to or an NPC that can kind of give you some guidance as opposed to sometimes just wandering along. And I feel like that's kind of where we got stuck as a kid. Is yeah. you're just like, what am I supposed to doing? Oh, you're supposed to wait here until it turns red, and then the volcano goes off, and this because it happened. And you're like, oh, I did not even pick up on that. So, so. I, I never died because I had saved states. But if you do die, Gaia brings you back and you just lose half your experience points. So it is a little bit forgiving in that sense where let's say you don't have a lot of experience points. You have 200 and you die. You're down to 100. You can get 100 experience points. No problem. So as long as you're not walking around uh, with tons and tons of experience points, the cost of dying isn't super high. So at least it's forgiving, right? It doesn't hold your yeah, hand, but yeah. it at least has that forgiveness to it. So Totally. Yeah. All right. Uh, how about a final? Are you buying it? And then we're done with this game. Good time. So are you buying it? The two voices are hinted at as being God and Jesus, but they turn out to be advanced lizard men slash Martians. Is this a cautionary tale? I really couldn't come up with anything for this. That was interesting. So I just wrote that. Yeah. I don't know. The, uh, the aliens mixing around and because you're like you're right it is like a lot to do with like if you come from a catholic background hearing like gaia and eden you're just like you you assume the catholic religion but as we've played plenty of old japanese rpgs as you realize that japanese game developers just kind of pulled from wherever to just mm. fill just yeah. to build the world so it's like coming with that that prior knowledge and that context is you kind of you you almost want them to be yeah but then it turns out that they're just random martians is there a word so. for that if you have a better understanding of society something like a deep lore say that the planet earth was is also called gaia right like that's just pretty common so that's why you see the planet in final fantasy 7 is called gaia this planet mm -hmm. is called gaia there is a game called the legend of gaia or illusion of gaia and that's just basically earth so if you know mm -hmm. that going in, you have a better, different experience. Is there a word for that? Uh, if you have like a greater understanding of a subject matter, 
uh, you can have a different interpretation of something. Like, you can still both enjoy it, but the fact I know that Gaia means Earth gives me a different experience. Yeah, I don't think that there's actually... A, I'm not sure, to be honest. I'm not I'm not a great uh, English major. That was usually my weak subject. If you asked me a mathematical formula, I could probably tell you. But, yeah, um, I'm not sure, but I feel like there should be. Like, I mean, would it not be, like, a deeper appreciation... Uh, it's just for for the material well, because or... let's say you're an expert on greek mythology you could watch a movie you know where maybe someone says something about a myth or something and all of a sudden you're like hey that's kind of weird and then you might come up with a theory while watching the movie and have a different experience because you have a better understanding of the greek mythology than i do and i'd watch it and be like i don't really get that mm-hmm. maybe, maybe mm-hmm. it's just life experience i don't know anyways well i'm sure that uh if it's not a term, it will be coming a term soon, especially with the uh, hardcore comic book people that know all the ins and outs of like, oh, I know who that is. That's referring yeah. to this person. Oh, I see. As a, uh, yeah, as, so. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking there's a game called Illusion, no, Legend of Gaia. Legend of La Gaia? And it mm. it was that game where you, to battle, it was an RPG, and you had to type in like uh, left, left, right, right, attack, and then you do special combos. Yep, 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 yep. And I remember we had friends and we all played through it together and there's a group of us and somebody got onto disc two and they find out that Gaia actually means earth. And you learn that in the game. And it was one of those things. And you're like, it means legend of earth. Oh my God. And then all the, all of a sudden it was like this like glass shatter moment. And it was, that's one of those scenes where like, uh, in uh, spoiler alert, but, uh, the usual suspects, you know, where he starts looking at the board and all of a sudden everything falls into place. And like my coffee cup in the playground was like dropping to the ground and I'm like, Oh my God. So that was kind of a groundbreaking moment, you know? Oh, definitely. And I think that's the cool thing about this is like, it did kind of like, I didn't know really about too much about evolution before all this, like before playing this game, but like playing it kind of exposes you to it. It's not going to like obviously tell you it or whatever. It's kind of, it's obviously a very like pseudo, fantasy whatever thing that they just created and they've pulled from references but it opens your eyes and like kind of gave you that that understanding of like oh wait well maybe we maybe we were like in this and, and it kind of like well even you know, auctioned to the earth think and, about the yeah, map it's the map of the world right like you're like oh pangea i know what pangea is now look at i understand that this is pangea right and maybe you're yeah. like oh i like walking around this world now because i can relate to it or something i don't know totally totally and or even just um knowing that like how the earth has actually changed over millions and millions of years to a point where even the rocks on the earth have changed. Yeah. Yeah. So nice. All right. So there you go. There's our Mick and Tyson's quick evolution minute. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if we actually said anything there. It's awesome. So there, that kind of ties the bow on this game. Like I said, it's been a part of our history um, for years and years and years and years. So it's kind of nice to finally, finally get through it. All we've got left is a cultural significance. And we put a stamp on this bad boy and we did it. Yeah. Nice. This is probably one of the earliest games. I was like, man, we should play this on a podcast. It only took us four years. We're on the ball, you know? Well, we had we had a lot of lot of catalog to get through. Yeah. You know, we had to literally run through the majority of all the Zelda games within the first like ten episodes. So it's, that's true. That was hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, pacing. You know, patience. Patience is a virtue. All right. So finally, our cultural significance in this section, we're going to look at game tropes, marketing tactics, interesting stories. We talk about how this game relates, give other examples, and tie it all back together. Let's see if the bosses of each area play into pop culture at all so in each category tyson we're gonna play a game i'm gonna read you three names and then you have to vote on who is the most superior are you ready for this 
Right. All right. So we're going to start with the first boss of the game, the Great White Shark. So who is the greatest pop culture Great White Shark? Is it Jaws from Jaws? Freaking sharks with laser beams on their head from Austin Powers or the Land Shark from SNL? I really want it to be freaking sharks with laser beams on their head. Um, but it's probably Jaws because I can't look at water without thinking about that movie. So... All right, there you go. Ding, 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 Jaws. Congratulations. You are the greatest pop culture great white shark out there. All right, ready for the next category? We're up. All right, so the greatest pop culture queen bee of all time. Is it Alicia Silverstone's Cheer or Cher from Clueless, Rachel McAdams, Regina George from Mean Girls, or Beyonce? Oh, come on, come on. We got to go Beyonce. It's Beyonce. She's definitely queen bee. All right, congratulations. Jaws. Beyonce, you are two of the greatest pop culture Great White Sharks and Queen Bees, respectively. All right, let's look at the next category. Ready? Mm -hmm. All All right. right. We're on to T-Rexes. So who is the greatest pop culture T-Rex? Is it T-Rex from Jurassic Park, Sharptooth from Land Before Time, or Rex from Toy Story? Hmm. See, I really want it to be the Sharptooth from Land Before Time just because that movie's great and Sharptooth is a great reference. But you got to go with the T-Rex. It's got that roar. Like, it made that first movie. Everybody, yeah, I've had nightmares about riding in a Grand Cherokee ever since or Grand Shacky as I used to spell it as a kid. Yep, that was a fun teacher, what are those called? Parent-teacher meeting where we have to uncover what exactly you meant because your teacher was confused. Yep, no one understood what I meant. Not even me, but you did. I did, I figured it out. I was very uh, astute. Uh, What a fun, fun game. I was looking over these notes the other day being like, I wrote these months ago. Like, literally months ago, more than likely. And I looked at this and I was like, I'm really excited to get to this part of the podcast. So, good for us. Yeah, yeah. Man, this game's game's a lot of fun. It's, um, it's, It's a cool little experience and I'm happy that we... This has been one of those games that when we started a podcast, we all, we, me and you both knew we had to talk oh, about no, I meant, I meant the game that we're playing, not like Evo the game. I mean the game that I make in cultural significance. Oh, totally. And all I'm right. actually hoping everybody's playing along all because right. if you are answering wrong to me, then I'm telling you. Email you us. Have have Send words. us, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram and let us know. Did your answers differ? All right. How about smart birds? All right. So we're on to the next boss. Smart birds. Is it the owl from Winnie the Pooh? Kibora Gabora from Zelda or Mr. Owl from the Tootsie Roll commercial? Hmm. Is Kapora Gabora the owl that never shut up in Zelda? Yes. Hmm. Hmm. This is tough to say, to be honest, because it's kind of like this is this is a tricky one. Everybody knows Mr. Owl from the Tootsie Roll commercial. Everybody knows him. But everybody also knows Owl from like Winnie the Pooh. And most people that have played Legend or any Zelda game, it's like, yeah, that's stupid owl. So this is a real toss-up. I'm interested to see what the listeners uh, were thinking. But I am going to have to go with Owl from Winnie the Pooh. I have to. It's Winnie the Pooh. All right. I'm just making a note. Maybe we make a Twitter poll in the lead-up to Evo. May. There you go. So the week preceding or the week following this podcast, I think the week leading up as like hype for it i should send this out on twitter as twitter polls heck yeah all right yeah like absolutely see That'd if, be fun see if i remember this last week all right how about we got three more categories to go the yetis so that is the next boss we fight so most pop culture best what am, what am i calling this the best pop culture yetis all right so is it marshmallow from frozen he's the big ice golem bumble 
from Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Hugo from the Bugs Bunny and Tweety show? Uh, Hugo is hilarious. And uh, Which way did he go, George? Which way did he go? Yep, yep. And uh, I mean, I'm sure someone would choose Frozen's Ice Golem, but I, you gotta go Bumble from the Rudolph. When he gets all his poor teeth pulled out, that guy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, nice. Poor Yukon Cornelius, I tell you what. There you go. All right, so final two categories. What is the best pop culture Rogon of all time? So it's kind of, uh, we don't know what a Rogon is. He's like a sea monster or a sea creature. Uh, is it the creature from The Sound of Water, the creature from The Black Lagoon, or Abe Sapien, the fish guy from Hellboy? Oh, okay, interesting. We got ourselves uh, another little interesting mix. You thought they were all going to be easy. I really did. I really did. And then we hit then we hit the Rogons and the and the, and the owls. Um, hmm. You know, The Sound of Water is a great movie. Don't get me wrong, but I don't typically associate that with uh, what a sea person would be. Um, now, Abe definitely from Hellboy. However, I think we got to go with the classic here. We got to go with the creature from the Black Lagoon. All right, there you go. Good job, creature of the Black Lagoon. Do we want a final recap going into our final category? Yeah, we should. All right, so the greatest pop culture, and I'll just leave that as a dot, and that's going to be the preface for all of these. So the Great White Shark is the Jaws from Jaws. We have Beyonce was the greatest Queen Bee. We have the T-Rex from Jurassic Park as the greatest T-Rex. We have Owl from Winnie the Pooh. I wasn't really paying attention on that one, obviously. We have Bumble is the greatest pop culture Yeti, and we have the Creature from the Creature from the Black Lagoon as the greatest Rogon, and that leads us to our final category. What is the greatest bull box? In pop culture history. He's like a weird snail, a media thing. I don't really know what he is or supposed to be. So let's just go with the greatest brain controlling amoeba or parasite. Ready? Gotcha. Is it the fungi that infects people in The Last of Us and creates clickers? Is it Los Plagas from RE4, 5, and maybe 6? Or is it Princess Peach's fungus that infects the toads, thus creating an army of loyal slaves to defend against the rebel forces led by Bowser in the Mario series? <laughs> oh, man, it's got to be Princess Peach's evil fungus that's taken over the whole uh, Mushroom Kingdom. There you go. It's got to be. It's in the name, Mushroom Kingdom. There you go. It has to be her. So great. Congratulations, Princess Peach's fungi. You are the greatest bull box. Yep. Whatever that is. Yeah, no one really knows. No one really knows. So there you go. That was the bookmark on the first episode of season five. Hopefully they're all as fun as this and educational because I everyone will be smarter if they listen to this podcast, if they're all that educational. If anything, you've learned about education. You learned about references. You had uh, you have some fun things to probably pick some fights with. Like who would you say is the greatest, great, uh, great white? I, we, say it's, we say it's Jaws or I say it's Jaws. Do you guys differ from our opinions? Hit us up on uh, social media. Let us know what you think. There you go. Fun, fun stuff. So with that, uh, looking forward to it, you know. It's going to be a good time. I f- did last year, did I play a song? Did we play Celebrate by Cool and the Gang? Hmm. Potentially. Potentially. Hmm. Either that or we did something like a like a Zelda something. All right. Well, I'll... It's been a while. I'm going to have to re-listen. All right. Maybe that'll be the final song on this is some Celebrate Good Times. Or maybe, you know what? The music in this game is pretty good. I'll probably just go with that. So, sorry, Cool in the Gang. You didn't make an appearance. You don't get royalties. My bad. Sorry. Yikes. Oh, well, they won't make their millions. That's it. So, there you go. Four years 
in the bag. Good stuff. Clipping away with Final Fantasy VII. I can, I guess, if you're listening this far into the podcast and you really care that much, uh, looks like we're probably going to be doing Final Fantasy VII all year, which is kind of cool. I've laid it out so it looks like uh, every couple weeks or every four weeks, because that's how it works, you're going to be getting some level of Final Fantasy VII. So that's really cool. Kind of glad that we're doing that this year and chose to do that instead of some movies. And then we can always, yeah, so there you go. Yeah, I think it's a good time to do it. Final Fantasy Remake is out. Hopefully you're playing it and having fun. I don't have a PlayStation 4, so I'm watching and being jealous and seeing how it's turning out. And we are having some interesting conversations. So we're going to, I will pin it and I will save any of my opinions for a future podcast because we'll probably talk about it. And the other thing is, uh, don't forget about James Bond later on this year. It got pushed, everybody. Got pushed. It's still coming out in 2020, though. Yeah, yeah, it's huh. November. As as the as the previous ones were all re- released in November, anyways. So but, well, we'll see how so. see how things the world looks in November. We may not be doing a lot of <sighs> might be still social distancing then. So yeah, we'll see. This could be a long one. Good times, good times. All right, so with that, we bid you adieu. Tyson said, "Is James Bond?" That's all we got. Looking forward to another a fun fifth year. You know, hooray! Absolutely nice. to 2020 and and beyond. Cool, good stuff. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.